looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode of Make Money Make Sense. I am your host, Dante Balmonte. I am also one of the managing partners of Victory Capital Group. If it is your first time to the podcast, welcome. Thank you so much for listening in. We do appreciate all of you guys coming in to listen to our show. This week, I did want to talk about what a syndication is. The reason for making this episode is because recently my partner and I have been meeting and chatting with a lot of new investors that plan to invest with us as Victory Capital Group on our upcoming acquisitions and projects. And sometimes when I have these conversations with people, first off, I want to go over a lot of the same questions I get all the time. And also, if you know someone's newer, I want them to be able to listen to this, play it back, pause it, rewind it, do whatever they want to do. That way they can really understand it and take in all of the information. So what is a syndication? A syndication is uh, a pool of investors bringing all of their capital together to take down a larger project. So I can't buy a multifamily project myself, but if I pool together 50 investors, I can buy a 200-unit apartment complex. I like to do what's called the airplane comparison. So on an airplane, I can't buy an airplane. I can't rent an airplane to get to my destination. I can afford an airplane ticket, and so can everyone next to me. So everyone next to me, they can't buy the airplane. They can't rent it. But if I put in $500 and the person next to me $500, and all of those other 100 or 200 passengers put in $500, well, now that is enough money to fuel that plane, get the staff, get the, pay the pilots, pay for the plane itself, anything else that it takes to run this flight from off the ground in the air and land it and get to our destination. And that's the same exact thing with the syndication. You have a bunch of people who want the same goal, but can't do it themselves. So they do it with others. Same thing with the plane. You can't buy a plane yourself. You can't buy an apartment complex yourself. But if a pool of individuals with the same end goal in mind come together, they can accomplish it. You know, as a team, they can accomplish great things. And we're going to do that with a multifamily property as well. In a plane, you have pilots. Those pilots are trained, they have certifications, licensing, you know, they went to school and they understand what they're doing. No one has to tell them what to do. They know how to do it. They safely get you off the ground, through the air, and back on the ground to your destination. Those pilots are like GPs in multifamily syndications or general partners. So that's my partner and I and other individuals we may partner up with, the general partners, we're the pilots. We're in control of the asset. We're in control of the investment. We have uh, been trained. We have a track record and we understand what we are talking about when it comes to a multifamily syndication. So we're gonna find the deal, fund the deal, get investors for the deal, then run the deal, then dispose of the deal. So we do everything. On the back side of a plane, you have the passengers. Those are people who don't want to learn how to fly a, a plane. They have no interest. They want to sit back, enjoy the ride. They want to read a book, maybe sleep, and they just want to get to point A to point B, and they'll pay to do so. It's the same exact thing with limited partners. 
LPs or passive investors in a syndication. So any investor in a syndication, they're usually investing for a few reasons, but one of the main ones is it's a passive investment. It diversifies their portfolio. So they want to put the money in. They want to sit back. They want to watch. They don't want to do any work, and they just want to get the returns at the end of the day. So again, you've got pilots, and then you've got general partners, and then you've got passengers, and you've got limited partners. So it's a very good comparison. So again, these two groups of people in a plane and in an investment, and they come together, they can get to the same end goal. And I think that's huge. Investors also ask, what are your minimums to invest in a deal like this? Usually it's going to be a $50,000, sometime $100,000 minimum. And that's going to be per investor. You don't have to do 100,000 or 200,000. Some investors do, but the minimum to get in on a deal is typically a $50,000 investment. And that can be invested through cash in your checking account, or it can be invested through your retirement account. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. So let's say we're going to take down a $10 million property. Uh, A $10 million property, we're not going to raise $10 million. We're going to use bank financing. So to do so, we're going to get what's called 80% loan to value. So the bank's going to give us 80% of the property value, sometimes 70, sometimes 70%. And then we will go ahead and get the remaining 20% or $2 million from investors. And if we're doing a $50,000 minimum, let's just say everyone decides to do the minimum, $50,000 divide, or you take $2 million divided by the $50,000, and that's 40 investors or uh, 40 investors that will bring their capital to the deal. So when we go to raise a deal, it's not like we have one investor that says, okay, I'll put up all $2 million. Sometimes that happens and that's different private equity, but mainly it will be those minimum investments or a little bit more. So we'll take 40 investors with $50,000 each. We'll pool that capital together to bring the down payment for that acquisition. There's other costs involved, but that's just for easy math at the moment. Hold period, we typically hold a property for three to five years. We always like to estimate worst case scenario that the capital is tied up for five years. Keep in mind, it is an investment, and we're not trying to liquidate the investment a few months after buying it or a year after buying it. We're holding for those three to five years so we can acquire the property, improve it, collect on those improvements, and then sell to capitalize on all that improvement for the property we have put forward. Then you look at... uh, returns or before returns i'll go to the the age-old question i usually get which is stocks versus real estate people say well why can't i just invest in stocks it's more liquid i can get the same returns and they they make a case for it and that is correct you know stocks you can they are more liquid so that means you can buy a stock one morning and sell it the same evening and you don't have to worry about uh any real sale there versus with real estate it takes 60 days sometimes 70 then you hold it for a little bit and then you have to go find a buyer and then sell it, which takes another 60 to 70 days. Well, with stocks, you do have a large capital gains bill when you go to sell it. You technically don't recognize those gains. So everyone always says, oh, I made this much in the stock market. Well, did you sell that stock? No, then you didn't recognize that gain. And you don't get the cash flow benefit. So with real estate investing, you know, each month, tenants that are in the buildings, in the apartments, they're going to pay rent. And therefore, that throws off cash flow. So you have your expenses, you have your income, then you have your expenses, and then the difference is what the cash flow is on the property. So typically, we'll do quarterly distributions. So that means 
whatever those tenants are paying every three months, we group that all together and give it on pro rata shares according to what your initial investment is. With stocks, you don't get any cash flow that's thrown off. You only get the capital when you go to sell. So if you want to hold a stock for five years, your capital is officially locked up for five years and you cannot access it and it's very volatile. Whereas with real estate, yes, your initial capital is invested, but you're still getting these uh, cash flow distributions quarterly for the investment where you can reinvest those distributions. So you have that initial investment and then you have it, you can invest it somewhere else. And I, I do diversify with stocks, but the stocks I'm diversified in are real estate stocks. So for example, um, you have like Blackstone. So people always say, okay, why would I invest in real estate with you when I can just go buy a REIT, you know, a real estate investment trust? Well, you can, but you don't get any of the tax benefits. Again, it's very volatile and you don't get that uh, cash flow distributions quarterly that it throws off to get some capital back in your pocket. So for example, Blackstone, that is one stock that I'm diversified in that I have a decent chunk of my portfolio in. I'm up like 50%. They do phenomenal, but I'm not really up 50% because I haven't disposed of that stock. I haven't sold it to recognize those gains. Once I do recognize those gains, I'll have anywhere from a 25 to, well, if it's long-term capital gains, about 20% capital gains. And if I sell it in less than a year, I have about, um, call it 32% capital gains that I have to pay out of those uh, gains that I've made when I went to go sell the stock. And that's an issue. And I recently just read the book that the co-founder, the co-founder of Blackstone, Stephen Schwartz wrote, Schwartzman, excuse me, wrote, and he was talking about when they first went public a few years back and how when they first went public, they had dividends that they would pay out to investors quarterly. And they used that to be more attractive to bring in initial capital for the IPO, the uh, initial public offering of the stock. After I think it was the first year or two, they actually uh, took away the dividends because they didn't need to attract investors anymore. And therefore, that quote-unquote quarterly distribution that we have in real estate that this stock had, whatever distribution they have, which is very minimal, is now gone. So now you aren't getting any distributions at all. And those tax benefits, let's go back to that real quick. With stocks, you do not have any tax benefits that you can use to shelter you from taxes. With real estate, though, you do. You have depreciation, cost segregation, write-offs, and those are the real big ones that everyone talks about. And then 1031 exchange, we won't get into that in this episode. So with depreciation, basically you'll take the value of the building. So you will not take the value of the land, just the building. So let's go back and let's say a $10 million apartment complex is the building value is 9 million. The IRS lets us divide that by 27 and a half years or 27 and a half to take what's called the depreciation. So in this case, 27.5 divided by 9 million, or excuse me, 9 million divided by 27.5, that is about 325,000. So we get to take a paper loss of 325,000. We're not physically paying that 325,000. It's not a cost to us. It's not coming out of our capital account. It just shows on our tax return at the end of the year that we took that loss. So let's say we made cash flow of 400,000 in that first year. And, or well, that's high on a property like that. Let's say we did um, 300,000 in cash flow in one year, but we had a depreciation of 325,000. So, again, that cash flow means all of your income minus your expenses is 300,000 you're left over with. 
and you would have to pay taxes on that 300,000. But because of depreciation, we can now subtract 325,000 from that 300,000 of cash flow, and that's negative $25,000. So that means on our tax return, we get to show a paper loss of $25,000. We're not paying any capital gains on any of those distributions you're getting on your investment. And if you're not a real estate professional, those that $25,000 paper loss gets moved into the next year and it keeps deferring over to the next year until you've used all of that depreciation. And that is huge because now that investment, like let's say you were making the same return on a stock and you're paying 20 or 32% in capital gains. Now on this side of real estate, you're not paying anything on capital gains. Let's talk about returns a little bit. So that's the question we get as well as, well, if I give you $50,000 to invest, what returns am I going to be able to capture from that? So there's three, maybe four return metrics that we look at. The easiest one we tell people is they want to know what their average return on investment is. And that's about 18 to 22%. So each year you'd average 18 to 22% return on investment. That is from all distributions. So any cash flow and proceeds at sale at the end of the investment. But if you're just talking strictly cash flow each year, you're anywhere from seven to 9% return. So it's very similar to the S&P 500 if you track it, what that return is. Keep in mind, you get all those tax benefits where the stocks you do not. You're also diversifying in a real asset that will never truly go to zero in value. And it's insured. So if there's any catastrophic event that would happen, it is insured and we can replace that capital. So you have a 7 to 9% return just from cash flow. If you now include the uh, proceeds from sale in year three through five, whenever we decide to sell, that's going to be an average return over those three to five years of 18 to 22%. So that's just about 100% return on investment. If you're at 18 to 20%, anything above a 20% over five years is going to be over 100% return. So then that brings us to the equity multiple. So what that return metric is, very simply put, we aim for a 2x equity multiple. That means we 2x or two times or multiplied your original investment by two. So if you give us 50,000 at the beginning of the investment and throughout the life of the investment between those three to five years, plus the distribution from sale, so any sale proceeds, profit at sale, that all is gonna total 100,000. So you give us 50,000, we distribute back to you a total of 100,000 over that five-year uh, game plan, and that's going to be doubling your money. So that's pretty important because a lot of times you hear, you know, you should double your money over seven years. Well, we're going to do that in two years or more, two years or less than what you're talking about for the seven years. So instead of seven years, we'll do it in three to five years. So now you can double your money even quicker. Maybe by the time you get to seven years, you tripled or quadrupled your money if you continue to invest in these uh, real estate transactions or offerings we have. The last return metric we look at, and not to confuse anyone, this is the biggest one that's looked at to compare different type of assets and investments, is your internal rate of return or your IRR. So what this is going to allow you to measure is it's like your average return, but it accounts for uh, money. So the faster your money gets distributed to you, the less that IRR is going to go down. And the longer it takes for that money to get distributed over to you, the more that IRR is going to decrease because it knows the value of money goes down if it's not invested. So 
that IRR that we shoot for is about 15% or higher. So that just really means the growth rate of your capital annually is 15%. And that's great. I mean, that's more than the stock market shoot off if you're looking at the highs and lows. And again, the stock market is very volatile. Where real estate, you don't really have those ebbs and flows, those ups and downs, and that's very, very important. So at the end of the day, I look at a syndication like a tree. You've got the main trunk going up and it branches off to the right, and that's gonna be your cash flow distribution. So each quarter, you're getting these uh, checks or you're getting these uh, direct deposit right to your account of these distributions. And with those checks, you can do whatever you want. You can go diversifying stocks, you can go diversifying more real estate, you can go spend it, you can do whatever you want with it. But then over on the main trunk still going up is that initial investment from the real estate transaction. So that 50,000 you put in, it's still there, it's still going up in value. But then you have all these branches coming off and that's all your distributions that you're getting. So not only is your main investment still working, but the distributions can work in other places for you. So your capital is now working in two places versus working in one. So I'd say that sums up this week's episode. Those are all my defenses, or you could say quote unquote pitch of what I give investors when they're asking about what a syndication is and how it works. I hope that wasn't too confusing. I hope that helped some of you guys out answer some questions. If you do have questions, you can contact me directly at Dante at victorycapgroup.com, or you can head over to our website at victorycapgroup.com. Thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.